0: Okay, good evening, everybody. Welcome back to Exploring the Lord of the Rings. This is session number 54, and we are getting ready to continue our conversation with Strider, and maybe, uh, if we get lucky, we will get as far as Butterbur coming into the room and starting a second awkward conversation on sort of a different note. So that is the uh, the hope and plan for the evening here tonight. Um. So uh, okay, so I wanted to just start off tonight, quick, by uh, just a couple, um, a couple announcements. Uh, one, just to point out, there are uh, a couple really cool things that are happening um, uh, in the in the Signum world this week on Thursday. In fact, both of them happening on Thursday, uh, two days from today. Uh, so there's first of all in the afternoon there is a symposium on transhumanism we've got a panel of uh, of, of faculty coming together to talk about uh, the, the 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 whole concept of transhumanism which is a really fascinating topic of course a lot of people especially in the science fiction world thinking about that but it's become a it's it's become a you know a topic that a lot of people are thinking a lot about um, so anyway so that'll be really interesting to to uh, to uh, think about um, the sort of the transhuman dilemma and kind of how our thoughts have been changing about that. So that's the first thing. And then later in the east so that's in the afternoon, later in the evening is the Mythgard Movie Club uh, session on the wrinkle in time. So there's a really great panel uh, of uh, Signum uh, students and alums coming together to talk about a wrinkle in time. I guess some very dedicated uh, metal and lingo folks in that panel. Uh, and I still haven't seen the film yet. I really want to see the film, but I haven't been able to get a chance to get out and see the film yet. Uh, but anyway, we're going to be talking about the film and the adaptation. So if you are a Madeline Lengle fan, if you love the film, hate the film, uh, you might want to uh, uh, take advantage of the opportunity to uh, to to voice your opinion and and uh, get in on that discussion there. So uh, anyway, so that's going to be in the evening. So if you just go to either mythgard dot org or Go to signumuniversity.org, uh, and you will see uh, uh, those events. Just scroll down a little bit on the Signum University page, and you will see the uh, the tiles for those events. and And the, the, those are uh, coming up here, as I say, in two days. Coming up slightly less soon than that, uh, but soon nevertheless. Uh, a a month from tomorrow is London Moot. It's almost time for our next new regional event. Uh, London Moot has a a, a really great. Uh, I was looking at a draft schedule. Look, it's going to be an awesome day. So many people, um, uh, just like just really, uh, really big names, really exciting topics and things to discuss and everything. It's going to be an awesome, awesome day over there in London. Um, really glad to see. I saw a couple of you chatting before class there. Uh, that you guys are going to be able to make it. I can't wait to meet you guys over there in London. Uh, If you are anywhere in the vicinity, if you can get yourself to London on the 28th of... uh, What's the month? April. On the 28th of April, uh, I strongly recommend that you go. It's very inexpensive, and it's going to be a a pretty awesome value for the price. So I hope you'll uh, you'll be able to come. Um, Also, I was hearing uh, some... Details about, um, so Darren, who's been organizing the event, is also going to be doing a a literary tour of London the day before with some really cool sights and uh, uh, and, uh, and opportunities there. So, um, uh, yeah. Oh, and uh, Matthew, um, is there a date set for L.A. Moot yet? Tentatively, yes. That would entail me remembering what that is, uh, which I don't but it's, it's I, I forget today is a bad day to ask me to remember things. Uh but anyway, it's um uh it's in July, the middle of July. Um the weekend before Comic Con, I think is the date that we were thinking about. And it's not gonna be in San Diego. It's gonna be uh it's gonna be in LA. Um so anyway, uh, that's the that's going to be the next one. So of course, after the next moot as a whole, of course, is going to be Myth Moot in June. But the next uh, of our new regional moots after London Moot is going to be uh, is going to be SoCal Moot. So, um, anyway, cool. Uh, so let's see. Oh, and my apologies. Yes, Fourth Dauntless, uh, the film film recording from last week sorry that's been delayed if those of you who watched it live may remember i had an audio glitch so i've had to go back and fix that which is annoying well okay i haven't had time to go back and fix it basically so uh, that's sort of pending a little bit of of uh, of repair it's all I've, I've got it all we had a backup and it's fine but i just i need to go put it together so uh, we'll get to that we'll get to that um last thing i i wanted to share a little something this is something it's signum related but it's, this is also kind of a this is also kind of a personal thing we'll show and tell here tonight um so uh, as you guys those of you who have been following uh you know uh, me and mythgard and signum for a while will know um you know we've been in this really long process of preparing signum for the credentialing process which is a long and and uh challenging especially for a school doing what we're trying to do which as far as i know no one has ever done before uh which is start a university up from scratch with no funding of any kind um so anyway it's been a challenge and we've been going now for almost seven years but we finally have reached the point where we are just about ready um to uh do to enter the the first uh hurt you know to sort of pass through the first hurdle in our credentialing process and it's super exciting and today uh i have printed out i have this book that this is my second book right <laughs> uh, people are saying when, when are you going to publish your next book well here it is right this is uh my t- and this is this is a uh, uh, double-sided too um you know what I've been writing to you know about the institutional plan for Signum University. This isn't actually even done. This is sort of a this is a preview draft. Uh, I have a meeting tomorrow with the Department of Education here where I'm going to present this and we're going to talk about that and, and, and the next stage of of, uh, of actually um, entering into the formal review process, which should start happening next month. So anyway, it's pretty cool, uh, and I'm I'm very happy with my little Signum book here. Okay, actually, not very little Signum book here. Uh, but, uh, it's, um, it's pretty, it's pretty sweet. I'm, I'm extremely, uh, happy about finally making progress towards this and, uh, and uh perhaps things sort of accelerating from here so there may be some sort of exciting updates coming up in the next couple months i know that that doesn't sound like super imminent but believe me on the time frame uh you know on the time scale of like you know accreditation and certification a couple months is tomorrow so uh i'm uh I'm I'm really excited. And Tony, yeah, the way that accreditation does work, accreditation essentially always works retroactively. The way that accreditation works in America, it's not, accreditation isn't future oriented, it's past oriented. That is to say, it's not like, you don't apply for accreditation for like permission to run a program. That's been part of the challenge, right? What happens is you have a program, they look at the program that you have and they say, yeah, that program meets our standards. Um, uh, Or... You know, or or not. Right. That's why a school that has its accreditation revoked. It's a really big deal. Right. Because it's not just saying and from now on, you're not accredited. It's also sort of casting, uh, you know, uh, uh, questions right on the year's. Previous to that. So people who thought everything was fine are now like, oh, I guess the degree I got, you know, five years ago isn't accredited anymore. Right. So it's in that sense, it's always retroactive when they look at us and they they, um, you know, they they accredit us. What they're saying is this program that you have and that you have been running does, in fact, you know, meet meet our standards. So anyway, um, and you don't want to get me started talking too much about this, especially when I'm sleep deprived as I am today. So, um, yeah, see, foo-foo, if only accreditation were just a way for the government to keep their hands in everybody's business. The government does keep their hands in everybody's business, but accreditation is run entirely by private corporations, which are not affiliated with the government, which is kind of a good thing. But also anyway, never mind again, that's exactly what you don't want to get me started talking about anyhow um so um <laughs> yeah, let's so not talk about that <laughs> anyhow uh i'm i'm i am i am excited it's a really exciting uh period of time for Signum University this time, which is really gonna be like through the next really for the whole next year starting now uh is gonna be uh pretty um uh Pretty sweet, pretty, uh, a, a lot of fun, very rewarding after long years of struggle and waiting. So. All right. Anyway, so I just wanted to share that with you guys because it's a huge thing going on in my world. And it's also the explanation for why I, as I said, I'm a little bit on the sleep-deprived side here this evening. So either I'm going to be much funnier than usual or I'm going to, like, faceplant onto my keyboard at some point later on in class tonight. So we'll see which way it goes there. Um, All right. Let us... um, Are the two mutually exclusive? I suppose not, JJ. Not necessarily. Uh, Okay. Um, So let us get back to the text here. Uh, We are uh, lots of people seeking hobbits from the Shire, queuing up here in the Prancing Pony, uh, patiently drawing a number and waiting to go in and talk to Frodo, uh, who has done such a good job of of, uh, staying under the radar there in Bree. Um, but, um, anyhow, so, uh, uh, we're going to, we'll go back to his conversation with Strider, but first one quick note that came in, um, on the, the, a couple of you were posting on, on, you know, Strider's approach there and the conversation responding to last week's class, which is great. Um, and I'll, we'll, we'll, we'll pick up some of those ideas as we go through and continue the conversation with Strider. Um, but, uh, I wanted to Jim. Uh, I don't know, Jim, if you pronounce your name uh, Deutsch or if it's been Americanized in its pronunciation in some way. I'm not sure. Uh, but anyway, uh, Jim uh, took up the challenge that I gave a uh, uh, sort of tossed off in class a couple of weeks back um, and said, uh, OK, so he took up the challenge to count the alliterations with the word gleam. In the Lord of the Rings. He really wanted it to be true, that is, that gleam was always alliterated every time it used it. I I sort of said that hyperbolically. It seems like gleam always comes with some other GL word. Um, so I was very liberal in allowing any G word, even at a fair distance, not even necessarily in the same sentence. Still the best statistic I could get was that Tolkien alliterates with gleam less than half the time. I was struck by its overall frequency though. Tolkien uses some form of the word gleam 121 times in the Lord of the Rings. I wonder if any other author uses this word so frequently. The grand total including gleam gleams gleaming and gleamed is only about one in three, 41 of 121, that is 41 alliterations out of 121 usages. Uh, Gleam, alliterated 21 times, gleams, one of three, uh, gleaming, 12 of 31, and gleamed, alliterated, 7 of 41. So he's still. Well, above random chance, let's give it a bronze. I agree. Uh, so it's not obviously well short of every time. Thanks for looking that up, Jim. That's really fun. Um, I still got to say, though, I think one out of every three, you know, about a third of the time, that's pretty good, right? I mean, I, 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 it's way above random chance, right? Um, it. Um, I think that that's that by itself is enough to, to suggest a pretty a pretty good trend. I would say, um, especially because the G L beginning or even you know the hard G at the beginning. It's not like that's a super frequent move, especially GLs, but but even just G's. Um, you know, it's not such a such a frequent letter usage in in, in English that that. You're going to do it by accident. A third of the time you say the word gleam. uh, And and I agree with you, Jim. I think that it's interesting even just to see the frequency with which Tolkien uses the word gleam. That does seem like rather a lot of times uh, for that word to come up Um, now that makes me wonder jim and first of all let me just say this is of course what always happens right you do some you do some some work and collect some data uh and the, the inevitably right if you're doing a good job and if uh if you if if you've collected what this always leads to is more questions right so here's my next question there um is there any pattern of the usage of gleam that is does it does it tend to come and you know, 121 times that that does strike me as pretty unusually uh, frequent as well. Does it? Um, uh, does it? Does it cluster around things? I mean, I, I I would imagine, of course, there are some particular things that he tends to use it about, obviously, um, such as light, for instance, right, and like you know, moonlight or something like that. Um, but I, I mean like in the books are there parts of the story Are there chapters where it gets used much more frequently are there you know just do we do we go long stretches of of space in the lord of the rings with without a gleam in the gloom right i'm uh... I'm just sort of wondering I I'd, I'd be interested to see to see the patterns what under what circumstances does he get prompted to gleam so often uh and uh, and, and and do there tend to be any clusters like that that would be my my next follow up but like I said you, there's always there's always a follow up question when you start collecting data this is um, um uh a lot of uh a lot of fun I think um and yeah see Matt I agree it would be really interesting to know where these take place um Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Matt is particularly wondering saying that, you know, Tolkien seems to like to, to, you know, he seems to want words to alliterate more in sections associated with Rohan, where he lapses into old English patterns. Uh, yeah, I, I would be interested to see now. I mean, we've been noticing the alliteration, of course, and obviously we're still, we're still very far from Rohan, but, um, but yeah, I wonder if we would be, you know, I I just kind of interested to see what patterns might emerge there. Um. But um but yeah, yeah, uh uh Sharon I agree. This is this is the thing that I love about the the work that Sparrow Alden has been doing that she was doing in her Signum Masters thesis uh on the Hobbit, uh using the Lexos system that Mike Drought has created in order to do to look at patterns of word usage uh, in the story and, and, and beginning you know, the, the, the kinds of things that begin to emerge when you look at particular word distributions and patterns is really, really cool. Um, and I love some of the kinds of questions that, uh, Sparrow is asking there and, and, and have been really interested at some of the results that, uh, that, that she's getting. So anyway, yeah, that would be, uh, that would be really fun. So anyway, okay. So thanks Jim for doing that. That was great. Let's get back to Strider now. So this, this, this we did this one last time. I just wanted to kind of remind us where we were, right? So he's uh, he's laughing at Frodo's put down, right? Um, about you know that's you know uh, Strider should, you know uh, might have a an honest reason, right, for eavesdropping and stuff. Um, but if so, he'd better explain it. Um, and we were talking about how how Frodo's completion of that sentence, right? How the way that he turns Strider's words back against him really emphasize the unusual way in which Strider's own sort of observation petered out very strangely. Right. Um, uh, you know, that uh, Mr. Underhill might have a, an honest reason for leaving his name behind, but, uh, but if so, He'd better be more careful. And that's just not where you see that sentence that sentence going, whereas Frodo does take it in the more sort of natural way. Um, anyway, Strider's delighted at Frodo's comeback. Right. And, and we see him respond to that by being much more forthcoming than he's been. I was looking for a hobbit called Frodo Baggins. Um, and then but he's still elusive about. What he knows about. He communicates that he knows something about Frodo's quest, but doesn't give away what he knows about Frodo's quest. Um, And that reference to my friends, we talked about that last time too, right? That uh, even he doesn't even say. I'm friends with Gandalf, or I'm friends with Elrond, or I'm friends with Gildor and Glorian, right? Or, or other Rangers, right? We have no idea exactly which friends uh, he's talking about. And of course, that still could be something that a brigand could say, right? Um, uh, you know, like if you are a, a, a highwayman, especially if you are part of a, a sort of a tribe or culture of people, all of whom are suspected, apparently right of, uh, uh, being at, at, at least untrustworthy, if not actively dishonest, uh, and ruffianly. Um, uh, I really I I, I love that, uh, that word ruffianly. Um, but it's not an adverb, right? It's an adjective. Um, but anyhow, um, so yeah, Tillian, exactly. That does seem to be the perception of rangers in Bree, right? So when he says, you know, if you're carrying out of the Shire a secret that concerned me and my friends, that could sound like, you know, my, you know, my gang of, uh, of, 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 of toughs and, uh, and ruffians are looking to, you know, shake you down because uh, we heard that you had something valuable and we want it for ourselves, right? So I mean, again, how he conceals that there is very consistent. Um, with, um, uh, with, uh, uh, the sort of suspicions, right, that, that Frodo has had ever since they came along. Um, now don't mistake me. I shall take more care than, of the secret than you do, and care is needed. Black horsemen have passed through Bree. On Monday, one came down the Greenway, and another appeared later, coming up the Greenway from the south. So he warns them, of the Black Riders. Now notice he's not committed himself to anything about that, right? The only thing that suggests that he is not on the side of the Black Riders or in the pay of the Black Riders, which of course has been kind of the worst case scenario from the beginning in this conversation, um is his caution, right? Um care is needed, watch every shadow, right? So he is at least implying that he would quite rather the Black Riders not capture Frodo, and even if he's not necessarily concerned for Frodo himself, he does not want the Black Riders to get a hold of whatever secret it is that Frodo is carrying out of the Shire, right? Um, uh, so you know, care is definitely care is definitely needed. Uh, so again, but but again, that's just it's really just implied, right? He doesn't he doesn't say that uh, directly yet. But let's move on now and see how Frodo responds to this. There was a silence. At last Frodo spoke to Pippin and Sam. I ought to have guessed it from the way the gatekeeper greeted us, he said. And the landlord seems to have heard something. Why did he press us to join the company? And why on earth did we behave so foolishly? We ought to have stayed quiet in here. (laughs) Like, this is vital. He just occurred to Frodo. Yes, you really should have. Like, part of lying low is not going into the common room right let's not even take the advanced course about not singing and dancing on tables once you do get into the common room but you know uh you know step one Frodo yes is uh, not uh going into the common room and perhaps staying quietly in your private dining room instead um but um um anyway so uh The thing that interests me most, though, about Frodo's words here is not that he's finally caught on to, like, what he should have been doing all along, but um, uh, that he says this right in front of Strider, right? He responds to Strider's warning about the Black Riders um, very, uh, very sort of instinctively, right? Um, again, Strider has not told him anything, Right. Um, but seems to have gained his confidence. He's willing to speak sort of um, openly, right, about his own suspicions, right? He knows that he knows the Black Riders are after him. Notice, Strider hasn't given much away, right? But Frodo's giving something away here, right? Frodo is giving away the fact that he he's confirmed here, um, out of his own mouth, yes, the Black Riders are after, yes, I'm the one the Black Riders are after, Right. If Strider were somebody who is in the pay of the Black Riders, who was looking to confirm things or, you know, get himself some evidence that, that he could relate back to the Black Riders, Frodo's just walked into the trap. Right. But. Um, uh, but anyway, it's um, it's. OK. Um mad violence hang on i'm gonna take up your challenge there in just a in just a second but just to so just to to finish my thought here um he he's confirmed who he is right so potentially frodo has made a blunder, but of course it turns out not to be a blunder right trusting this guy is the right thing to do, and Aragorn seems to have struck the right note but again, the thing that i would point out is while he is making the gesture to Frodo that Frodo clearly does value, right? That he's, he's picking up on Frodo's own fear and playing on that kind of like a really good con artist might. But anyway, he's, he's, uh, he, he is sort of showing, uh, extending, oh, sympathy isn't exactly right, of course. Um, but he is showing, I can't think of the right word, um, fellow feeling right he's 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 sort of acting like he's coming alongside frodo frodo has been uh remember the only other time that frodo and the other hobbits have encountered anybody who sort of took their side right on this whole black rider issue most people don't even have any have no idea right what's going on um was Farmer Maggot right farmer the fact that Farmer Maggot had encountered one of the black riders uh and had some idea of what of what was what what was happening, their experience with Farmer Maggot hearing his story and riding with him in his in his pony trap to the ferry um that was really the last time that they've had any support and understanding. Uh, from somebody else, that they've had somebody else really on their side. Tom Bombadil, of course, is on their side, sort of, right? Uh, I mean, and I'm not questioning his degree of friendliness to the Hobbits. I'm just saying he's not exactly on their side against the Black Riders. He's not coming alongside them, right? He just isn't bothered about the Black Riders at all. Uh, and while, so long as they are with him, so long as they are in the sort of fairy realm uh, of his little world, they're not concerned with the black riders either and kind of forget about them right but strider offers them something different and the fact that this does come from a sort of mysterious stranger who seemed himself a little bit scary um is perhaps itself interestingly comforting right uh but um <laughs> Tiber says he'd like to play poker with frodo yeah yeah i think that does sound like a that does sound like a, a good a good move. But anyway, Mad Violinist, I want to come back to your point. The Mad Violinist says, um, likely Butterbur would have told somebody in the company that a party from the Shire had come in. And I agree with you. Certainly, if Butterbur doesn't, Nob's gonna, right? I mean, there's zero chance that Nob is not going to go telling somebody that that happened. So um, I agree. It will be known. Harry Goatleaf, probably not going to keep it to himself either, right? Um Anyway, so it goes on to say it would be odd for such travelers not to come into the common room. You know, I'm not saying that they could have passed through Bree like a breeze in the night and never have, you know, anyone been the wiser of their presence. Um, if you want to do that, you'd probably don't come knock on the front door of the only inn in town, um, you know, and announce yourself in front of even with a fake name. Um, so if they wanted to conceal, if they wanted nobody to be, to know about or to talk about the fact that people had come from the Shire, probably just keeping to themselves and not even going into the town was the better move. But of course he's hoping to find Gandalf. And so he's certainly willing to take the risk. But anyway, so my point is, yes, you're right. There will be people talking and if they didn't come in, people would talk, but it's not like there's no reason for them not to come, especially not the first night, right? Right. Presumably, if they're travelers from the Shire, very rarely, I imagine, are travelers coming from the Shire and just stopping at Bree for a night on their way where? Remember, we were talking about that. Like, where else are you going to go? Um, we are told that sometimes the Prancing Pony is a destination for hobbits, right, for some Brandy Bucks or adventurous Tooks who will come out to stay at the inn for, you know, for a night or so. So that can happen, right? But in that case, the prancing pony is the destination. So, if these Shire hobbits come out—if there's were you know rumors that there are Shire hobbits in town and that they're staying at the pony and they don't come into the common room—what are people going to think? It seems to me logical they're going to be thinking something like um, uh, 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 they're going to be thinking something like um, uh, the the well, I don't know what. They're tired. They went to bed. You know, they just arrived. They, you know, they they arrived at nightfall, right? Uh, went to bed, and uh, um, and, and we'll probably see them tomorrow, right? Because they've come out to stay at the inn for probably a couple days. Uh, so, anyhow, it's um, I that doesn't seem to me like a, a sort of a, a, a you know, a, a sort of slam dunk that's going to cause more talk. I still think going to the common room uh, and getting people to sort of, you know, having to have your fake name stand up, right. And uh, make up a story for what you're doing there in Brie and then end up dancing on the tables. Like all of that seems to me probably uh, a worse way of, uh, of lying low than actually attempting uh, to lie low. Um, But um, okay. Okay. Let's see. Okay, um, yeah. Now I agree, Simon, that they were always going to stop at the pony, um, but uh, but they didn't have to go to the common room, right? They didn't have to. Um, they were given a meal. Right. They were given a hot meal in their private parlor, and they could have gone straight and quietly to their beds. Uh, Mary chose not to go to the common room. Instead, he's going out for a walk in town, right? Um, uh, but anyhow. Okay, so... We ought to have stayed quietly in here, he says. Um, it would have been better, said Strider. I would have stopped your going into the common room if I could, but the innkeeper would not let me in to see you or take a message. "'Do you think he—' began Frodo. "'No, I don't think any harm of old Butterbur. "'Only he does not altogether like mysterious vagabonds of my sort.' Frodo gave him a puzzled look. "'Well, I have rather a rascally look, have I not?' said Strider, with a curl of his lip and a queer gleam in his eye. "'But I hope we shall get to know one another better. "'When we do, I hope you will explain what happened at the end of your song. "'For that little prank—' "'It was sheer accident,' interrupted Frodo. "'I wonder said Strider. Accident then. That accident has made your position dangerous. Now we'll come back to the accident business. I wanted to focus on the first part. Notice how Frodo has changed, right? It's not just his willingness to speak in front of Strider as he was in that first paragraph there. Um look at the look at the the swiftness with which he trusts him, right? Um Str- had Strider you know, two minutes before said something like, I would have stopped your going into the common room if I could, they would all have been thinking and possibly saying, "And who are you to try to control what we do and what we don't do? Right. Um, I mean, if they had seen Strider. And he had been like, "I am trying to keep to keep you guys in this private parlor." They would have had some pretty, some pretty serious and fairly well-founded suspicions about what exactly he planned to do to them in in that private parlor, right? Um, so, it's interesting that Frodo doesn't seem to, but that 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 concept, right? That like Strider could have some, um, you know. Malevolent reason for trying to keep them contained and sort of keep them to himself, right? Not let them go out into public. Um, that doesn't even seem to occur to him. The fact that he then turns to Strider appeals to Strider, right? Um, uh, is uh, um. Do you think he, right? Um. So he's asking Strider if he thinks that. Butterbur is in league with the Dark Riders, right? With the Black Riders. Um, again, just think how interesting that is, right? Already, he accepts Strider as being on his side, right? I mean, one way that you could sort of summarize how he's, like, what he's asking here is like, okay, Strider, is Butterbur on our side, right? Like, he's already decided Strider totally is on, his side. Um, and that's strange. Forthalus is wondering if this is Frodo testing Strider. Hmm. I doubt it. I, I I don't know. Frodo has not really shown himself sufficiently cunning to lead me to be very suspicious of that kind of thing. Um, uh, Now, Matt, you're right. Um, The situation at the end of the fiasco in the common room, um, that is when Frodo crawls invisibly across the floor and takes off his ring over near Strider, we talked at the time about how this creates at least this sort of perception of camaraderie between the two of them, right? Like the two of them are are kind of in this together, the fact that he sort of uses Strider as his cover story, um, in a sense. For where he's been in, and and uh, and and what happened um it does seem to position Frodo and Strider as sort of in league right but even though that was happening um you know uh, it's almost like something that kind of happens to frodo um but but I agree jJ that frodo really wants to trust Strider. Um, But sometimes what sense he has gets in the way. Yeah, there does seem to be a general impulse for him to trust Strider, right? He's concerned, but he mostly reacts in concern. He does not generally act like a person who is default suspicious of this guy and needs to be won over, right? He seems to generally kind of by default trust Strider and occasionally when Strider says something, which really raises his suspicions, um, then he, he responds right when he's asking for a reward. And now it looks like he's a blackmailer or a highwayman, right? That, you know, makes him doubt uh, Strider. Um, But that, but that, that doubt and suspicion does not seem to be his default setting. Unlike Sam, <laughs> right? For Sam, that suspicion does seem to be his default setting. Um. Yeah, and that's interesting. Mad Violinist is wondering if the if this is the growth of his ability to see hidden motives that Galadriel will comment on in in Lorien, part him, part the Ring. I wonder. Yeah, if he is if he has any insight here, as a consequence of that. Um, I would also say that it's, um, it's possible that this could also be the consequence of him being an elf friend, right? And so is Strider. Uh, so is there some sense in which he recognizes that there is some kind of kinship there, that they've both been marked, uh, by their association with the elves? Um, because that mark seems to be a real mark, um... Uh, that, that, that it's, you know, when, when people, remember what Gildor said, right? Um, Gildor names him Elf friend and says people will be on the lookout, right? People will notice. Um, yeah, yeah. So for Thomas, that does seem to me, um, that does seem to me fair uh, to say that uh, his, Frodo's sense of strider is manifesting before he himself articulates it, right? He is going to articulate it. He hasn't articulated it yet. Um, But I agree. I think that we we can see evidence that this sort of natural trust of Strider, which, and again, and I think we've, in in, in reading through things carefully here, one of the things that I think that we get is a clearer sense, um, clearer sometimes, I think, perhaps, than when we just kind of read through the passages at speed, of how counterintuitive it is that he should have this kind of default um trust for Strider. Right? Uh there is every reason why Strider uh you should like Strider looks just exactly like the kind of shady individual that your mom had always warned you about. Um um yeah, Tony, good call there. Goldberry could see uh uh could see Frodo's elf friend status, right? She she commented on it right away. It's something that is perceptible um to other elf friends. Tony, what is the what's the phrase that she used? Something about his the gleam in his eye and the light on his face or something like that? Well, I'm I'm forgetting the exact words. Uh if somebody can find it. Um uh but uh Yeah, yeah. Um Yes. You find the quote and and give it to me. Yeah, that's that. That's the the quote from Goldberry um, about when she when she notices it. Um, Yeah, good. Um, Okay. So, again, not only does he now turn to Strider to say, are you sure that Butterbur is on our side, Frodo appearing now confident the ring in his voice. Thank you, Marianne. Yes. The light in your eye and the ring in your voice. Okay. There it is. The light in your eye and the, the ring in your voice. Uh, uh, tell it. Right. Okay. That's how Goldberry can tell that he's an elf friend. Um, good. Good. Um, but anyway, the, the point I was just going to go on making, notice what Strider, where, what Strider actually does next. Right. Um, no, I don't think any harm of old Butterburr only he does not altogether like mysterious vagabonds of my sort. Right. So he's just pointed out how Butterbur was working against him. Right. So he and Butterbur have been at cross purposes. And Frodo is now wondering, does this suggest that Butterbur uh, is, you know, allied with darkness? And that is a, an amazingly counterintuitive thing. Butterbur seems like a completely upstanding guy, obviously respected in the community, um, right? Where you where can you go for information on hobbits in these lands? You can start with old Barley there. I mean, everybody thinks well of Barlam and Butterbur, uh, and he's obviously a respectable respectable guy. And, and Strider uh, is a rascally vagabond, right? Um, if the two of them are at cross-purposes the natural thing would be to assume that it's Butterbur who's in the right and Strider who's in the wrong. That is not the assumption that Frodo makes. Now, of course, he is here aided by the fact it was Butterbur's suggestion that they go into the common room uh, and Strider says he was trying to keep them in here. In advance, that might have looked threatening. In retrospect, it looks wise, right? As Frodo is uh, regretting having gone into the common room in the first place. Um, So, um... Yeah, exactly. Um, but, but yeah, JJ, you're exactly right. That's exactly it. Where he goes, where Strider goes, in the rest of that paragraph, there is, uh, as JJ says, drawing Frodo's attention back to. Hang on now. Weren't you just mistrusting me uh, a couple minutes ago? Right. I mean, I. Well, I have rather a rascally look, have I? Look, like he's got to remind him. Right. I do kind of look like a brigand, don't I? right? Uh, lots of people would mistake me for somebody, for a person of ill intent, right? Um, as if now, like, that's never occurred to, to to Frodo, right? He's so far already, just like instantly, so far into the, like, well, obviously, you're just such a trustworthy fellow, right? Um, that Strider has to, like, explain why some people would, have, would oppose him. Um, yeah. Anyway, He's got a curl of his lip when he says this, and a queer gleam in his eye. All right? Um now, hang on a second. Finn says, What is a rascal? Hmm I wanna be careful here. What does the word rascal mean? Anybody has access to the OED, you should look it up. This is, of course, why I love the Oxford English Dictionary and why the Oxford English Dictionary is the best dictionary in the world, because it's the only dictionary built on historical principles. That is to say, most other dictionaries will just give you a definition as if like the word just has a meaning or even a bunch of meanings. Right? Uh, by looking at the OED, you can figure out. You can you can answer the truly relevant question, right? Because um, the truly relevant question is not what does the word rascal means? Who cares what some, you know, uh, some dictionary writer in the 21st century says that rascal means, right? What you want to know is what did the word rascal mean? in the early 1940s, right? That's in England. That's the real question. When Tolkien used the word rascal, what did the word mean to him? And of course, this is Tolkien as well, right? So not just what did the word mean in 1940s England, but what did the word rascal mean in English in the centuries before that, right? Which Tolkien would be thinking of. Um. So uh, so anyway, so that's what I'm... Because... Re- uh, it was just used, right? Frodo used it when he said he now thought he had fallen in with a rascal. That is when it sounds like Strider shaking them down for money. When uh, after Strider says, "I shall want a reward," Frodo says, "Oh, indeed," and uh, uh, and he 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 fears that they've fallen in with a rascal. Um, so. Uh. So, yeah, Stephanie, it's a great question then. Visually, what does a rascal look... What does it mean to look rascally, right? So first we have to figure out what a rascal is exactly. And then we have to uh, figure out what a rascal would look like such that Strider could describe himself as rascally and apparently assume that Frodo's going to understand what he's talking about. Um, and yes, Tolkien did work on the OED. And yes, he did work on the letter W. Um uh for instance i believe if you read the entry for whale um in uh w h a l e in the uh in the o e d there's some original tolkien prose uh in that uh in that entry as i recall um yeah yeah um <sighs> Switch rascal! Oh, you are so right, Boomful. Yes, rascal, in Middle English, is now I'm I'm remembering Chaucer's usage of the word. Um, it gets used at the end of the. Uh, oh, I'm too tired even to remember my Chaucer. Patient Griselda, the clerk's tale. Oh, when the, um, when the clerk sings his really funny song at the end of the clerk's tale, at the end of the story of Patient Griselda, uh, the one that he dedicates to the wife of Bath. Um, and he rhymes every line. He rhymes like, uh, every other line for like three or four stanzas, uh, with aisle, um, and, uh, and, and he, he reaches for, he, he has like, I don't remember even like 12 or 20 rhymes. There's a lot of them. Um, switch Raskyla is one of them. Um, uh, so yeah, it is, does seem to be associated with yet low dishonest person. Um, uh uh sharon that makes sense so we have the rabble of an army or the populace common soldier or camp followers right that sounds that sounds right switch rascal again i'm thinking of chaucer's line there uh persons of the lowest class so in that sense it's kind of like it's kind of like villain right? Villain, which originally just means, like, villager, person from the countryside, right? Peasant, essentially. Uh, and then comes to have, through association with lower-class people who are assumed to be less virtuous uh, by some. Though, um, uh, of course, others consider them like the paragons of virtue at the same time, but whatever. Uh, anyway, it ends up becoming a, an insult, like, you know, a immoral uh, uh, criticism, right? Um, rascal Sounds sort of similar in that way. Um, yeah, belonging to the rabble or the common herd. Matt. Okay. Yeah, man of low birth or station. Yep. Yep. So it's a peasant word, um, which now has developed a, a very like villain. Really, actually, quite like villain, though. I think perhaps based upon um, Frodo's usage. There, it sounds a little bit more specific than, say, the modern word villain, right? Um, which is just kind of vague person, like person of evil intent. Uh, you know, you're uh, a malefactor, right? If you're a villain. Um, whereas probably not if you're a rascal. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, okay. So, so yeah, Uh, Picasso up there in the Twitch chat, I don't think it's necessarily that Frodo is kind of intrigued by a rascal that, like, we're seeing his adventurous side come out there. That reading doesn't seem to me to work, Um, mostly because it's not that Frodo does not seem to me at all to be sort of, like, delighted or titillated or whatever, you know, by, like, the rascally. You know, he's not like, I think that you're a bad boy, right? But I like that about you. Like, that's not what I'm hearing with Frodo. He's, um, in the moments where he suspects that Strider is a bad boy, <laughs> right? He's not pleased. Uh, and seems uh, quite, uh, sort of, put it back with it. Um, but, uh, yeah, good. So Matt points out that the, unlike just... Unlike with villain, the association is not just with peasantry, the peasantry in general, um, you know, like farmers or whatnot, but with common soldiers, um, low class people, but low class people in the army. There's an there's an overtone of violence, Matt says, and that seems uh, that seems right. Um, So when Frodo is saying when the narrator says that Frodo thinks he had fallen in with a rascal, the implication Presumably would be somebody who is uh, preparing to pursue unscrupulous means to shake them down for money is how I understand his use of the word rascal there. Whether he understands himself to be an like immediate physical threat, right? You know whether Strider's going to actually mug him now, um, it sounds more likely that he thinks he's a con artist, right? but probably a con artist who may not um, scruple. At uh, at mugging, um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Good, good. Anyway, so rascally. Then narrowing ourselves back into our current word here, uh, to have a rascally look, therefore, would mean, well, like ruffianly, right? Somebody who is, uh, at least, willing to use violence for. At least questionable ends, right? Um, so rough, um, rough, and unscrupulous, right? Um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So Finn is pointing out, but you know, Butterbur doesn't think that Aragorn is bad, but doesn't trust him. Yes, um, and Finn, I think there's where you can see. The, like, he doesn't altogether like mysterious vagabonds of my sort, right? Notice, notice Strider is saying that he knows, he Butterbur knows no evil of him and has never claimed to know any evil of him, right? Str- uh, Butterbur's never made any accusations against Strider, right? He just he's mysterious, and it seems to be, you know, I wonder if it's the uh, if it's the mysterious part or the vagabond part. That Butterbird dislikes more, right? Um, uh, And Strider points at, you know, and this is where then Strider says that he admits that he has a rascally look. Um, Yeah, yeah. Um, Matt, I think it's a really good connection. Matt uh, goes on to add that it feels like the characters associated with Falstaff in Henry V, right? Yeah, the the sort of low band of, of thieves that you know, of of whom Falstaff is sort of the center, at least if not the actual leader uh, in any kind of bold and intrepid sense, uh, other than verbally, um, and, and gustatorily, I suppose. Um, but yeah, no, exactly. That those 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 the kinds of people with whom uh, Prince Hal hangs out and. Um, um, and and, uh, you know, like ambushes, folks, you know, acts as a highwayman. Uh, that's that that seems to be rascals there. Um, and uh, is there some classist baggage there? Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. I think so. But again, remember, this is not just it's not just an English thing. That trend. I mean, I, I made the comparison to uh, um, to the word villain. Uh, right to to make a point i mean it's it's that's a very common thing it's a it's a common trend that a word that originally meant low class comes to mean bad guy right um it's not this is not a unique example certainly of that phenomenon um, yeah. Yeah, oh, that's interesting, Lincoln. Lincoln is asking if uh, if there's a subtle bit of boasting, perhaps, to Strider's self-description here. Um, uh, you know, I've spent decades cultivating this rascally look, right? Um, I wonder. I wonder. Yeah, oh, Tony, great example, the word vulgar. Yeah, that's another really interesting one. Um, which works. And again, it's not the same, right? Villain, vulgar, rascal, they don't have exactly the same connotations in the later, uh, uh, versions, right. When they come to mean, uh, uh, a, not merely a description of someone's socioeconomic status, right. But, uh, uh, but a, uh, a sort of a moral description in some sense, none of them mean exactly the same thing, but the trend is similar, right. In all three, um, Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah. Pagan uh, is another word of that in that same category. Right. Which originally just meant dude from the countryside. Right. Um, uh, Heathen as well, I I believe, as I recall, uh, is is similar in that regard as well. Anyway. um, So. Let's now get to the prank comment, though. Um, I hope we shall get to know one another better. When we do, I hope you will explain what happened at the end of your song. Um, now, remember we were talking about sort of Strider's point of view in the common room of the Prancing Pony, right? And how he, uh, what he's thinking, right? What what possible impression of Frodo Baggins the Hobbit can he possibly be forming as he's sitting there uh, smoking his pipe in the common room? Um, so, um, Anyhow, uh, prank, he says. Now, do you remember where else that word was used? See, now I ask these kinds of questions and it's easy, right? People just, uh, uh, you know, get out their, uh, their, their e-texts and look it up, right? Um, but do you remember where else that word was used? in a very similar context. Do you remember where the word prank is used concerning somebody who, someone and else who put on the ring? Exactly. Fourth Dauntless, that is exactly, yeah. Finn remembers, too. That's how Bilbo's putting on the ring at his party was called, right? Remember the guests at the, 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 the party all, quote, take it for granted that it was just some ridiculous prank. Um... Yeah, and of course, Strider has just had Bilbo's ridiculous prank recalled to him by Pippin's story, right? Um, Strider has doubtless heard that story before. In fact, knowing Bilbo, Strider has heard that story a dozen times (laughs) before, right? Because we know that Strider and Bilbo are friends, and Bilbo surely would have told that story many times. Um, So, by calling it a prank... Um, Bilbo, or sorry, Strider seems to be suggesting that Frodo, or, or speculating, assuming that Frodo's motivation for doing this, he does seem to assume that Frodo did it on purpose, right? Uh, that he put on the ring on purpose. What could possibly motivate him to do that? The desire for a prank, right? What motivated Bilbo to want to do it, right? Why did he do it? Why did Bilbo play the prank? Now, we know that Gandalf ruined the joke with the flash, which prevented everybody from staring right at him and then him just vanishing as they're looking at him. That was Bilbo's plan, right? That was the joke, capital J, that he was planning to play, right? And it was a prank. So when the guests all think that it was, you know, take it for granted that it was some ridiculous prank... Well, they were right. At least they—it was intended to be right. Is you know, yes, Bilbo's leaving. Yes, he's moving out of the Shire. Um, but he doesn't have to disappear in front of everybody to do that. The joke that he's going to play is a totally different thing, right? Um. Yeah, Matt says the the ring thought it was a good idea both times. Yeah, I suspect so. Um. Yes, Mung Bilbo did it for shock value, and Finn, I agree. He would have thought it was hilarious. Because remember, he'd have been standing right there. That's the really cool thing about this, right? I mean, it's one thing to perform some kind of, you know, sleight of hand feat, right? Where you're like slip aside and people don't notice that you have, right? Um, but the great thing about Bilbo's joke is he puts the ring on right in front of them, and then he can watch them. He just stands there. Right. And watch them all gaping at where he was and watch the I mean, that's it's hilarious. Right. If you're into that kind of thing, that would be very funny. Um, So, yeah, apparently. And but but again, prank. Yeah, that's fair. It was a prank. He intended it anyway to be a prank. Um, uh, Yeah. So. um, But. But it was not—I would insist anyway that it's it's separate. His desire to have his joke was separate from his desire to leave the Shire um, and didn't promote it, really. He didn't have to vanish like that. That's not actually a part of leaving. Um, had he just waited a little while longer— until everybody went home to bed, finally, he could have just left. Right. Nobody, we're told everybody stayed in bed until, uh, way after sunup the next day. Right. So he easily could have taken off if he'd wanted to. Anyway. Um, so yeah, but Lori, it is kind of like Tom Sawyer's funeral. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyhow, okay, so we can kind of understand... I mean, I can understand Bilbo's joke. It would be kind of funny. And I guess I can understand... I guess I would say Strider... If Strider is assuming... A, we see that he's assuming that Frodo did it on purpose, right? Um, But B, to assume that he was having a joke, right? That he was pulling a prank, a Bilbo-esque prank... Honestly, that seems to me like the most benefit of the doubt that Strider could possibly show Frodo. I'm trying to think of a better case scenario, like a more generous interpretation of what just happened um, uh, than, than that, right? Because it's if you believe that it was done intentionally, that Frodo deliberately put on the ring in front of everybody... It's a really hard action to defend, as we were talking about when we were looking back at the prancing pony or at the common room scene. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, now you're right, Harnuth. There is a there is a a, a sense in the modern usage of the word prank um, that it's some kind of act of minor cruelty. Um, yes. But you can still see that element too, right? He was wanting his um, he was wanting to make his guests uncomfortable, right? He knew it was gonna upset them. and that's kind of what he found really funny. So I agree it's not um, it's not a mean spirited prank exactly. He's not doing it in order to cause suffering or discomfort to people just because he enjoys that kind of thing. Um, he is. Uh um uh he is Well, but again, like enjoying the discomfiture of his guests was exactly what the prank was going to be about. Um anyway, um Frodo insists he interrupts to insist that it was sheer accident, uh to to correct his assumption. I did not put it on. On purpose, it was. N- I was not playing a prank. Um, I wonder," said Strider. Accident, then, right? As he sort of concedes, um, uh, but grudgingly, right? Um, and I've always understood that line, um. I wonder accident then. Um, uh, I've always understood that line to basically be him saying, I don't think he's questioning Frodo here, right? I don't think he's saying, well, you say you didn't do it on purpose. Wolf. maybe you did, maybe you didn't, right? But okay, I wonder, right? I, I wonder if you really did or not, but it's fine. I don't, th- I don't think that's what he's saying. I think that he's saying... Frodo's just said it was sheer accident. And he's like, yeah, maybe it was just chance. But I'm not sure that that was just chance. Right? Um, So yeah, I do think that he uh, is acknowledging the power of the ring. Right? Um, Now, notice, though, that's not where he started. Right? He started with the assumption that Frodo did it on purpose. So his saying, I wonder suggests to me a change of heart, or at least a change of interpretation on his part, right? That he is just now thinking, "Ooh, hang on." If you're saying that was a sheer accident, and he's like, I'm, "Come on, now, I'm gonna, I'm ready to rule out mere chance, right?" Um, he's ready to rule out mere chance, Frodo. It felt to Frodo like an accident, right? He thought it was an accident. Um, he wants to promote the idea that it's an accident. I think that Strider is in this moment acknowledging, okay, something else, is, uh, uh, something else is, is happening here. So, Tony, I think that he is hinting that he knows how the ring works, but I think that he's not familiar enough with it. It, it did not seem to be his his, explana- his number one explanation right? He falls back on it relatively quickly, but again, even the phrase, I wonder, right? Um, he's not being definite, right? He's like, hmm, uh, maybe, right? So he's being skeptical about the the uh, observation that it was sheer accident, but again, I don't think his skepticism attaches to Frodo's claim itself. Um, exactly, J.J., not that he's lying, Frodo's lying, but that Frodo is mistaken about whether or not the accident was a sheer accident, or not, um, but he doesn't fight it. Accident, then, right? Why does he concede? Why does he give in to that? Um, and again, I don't think it's because, like, okay, what's all like? I know you know you're lying. I know you're lying. Let's just m- move on, right? Again, I don't think that that's what's happening here. I don't think that he's accusing uh, Frodo of lying. So why doesn't he push it? Because he doesn't want to talk about the ring. Right? Because he doesn't want to give it away. Um, he uh, th- he doesn't want to be anybody's source of information about the ring because he's still worried that a trap is being set for him, too. Um, accident thing. Let's talk about it as if it were an accident, right? Uh, I've acknowledged my skepticism. That accident has made your position dangerous. Almost as if it were intended to... Almost as if it were done on purpose in order to make your position dangerous. Um... Yeah, yeah. All right, let's keep going. Hardly more than it was already, said Frodo. I knew these horsemen were pursuing me, but now at any rate they seem to have missed me and to have gone away. You must not count on that, said Strider sharply. They will return, and more are coming. There are others. I know their number. I know these riders. He paused, and his eyes were cold and hard. And there are some folk in Bree who are not to be trusted, he went on. "'Bill Fernie, for instance. "'He has an evil name in the Bree land, "'and queer folk call it his house. "'You must have noticed him among the company, "'a swarthy, sneering fellow. "'He was very close with one of the southern strangers, "'and they slipped out together just after your accident.'" I love that. Uh, Just after, again, his uh, still going along with that. "'Not all of these southerners mean well, "'and as for Fernie, he would sell anything to anybody "'or make mischief for amusement.'" What will Fernie sell, and what has my accident got to do with him, said Frodo, still determined not to understand Strider's hints. Um, Notice that when Strider assures Frodo that he knows these riders, he is responding to one of... One of the most subtle things that Frodo has said, actually, right? He's, he's being cunning here. Um, I, know, I knew these horsemen were pursuing me, but they've missed me and gone away, right? I knew these horsemen were pursuing me. He's not giving away the fact that he knows that there's something creepy about them, right? Um, he leaves it to Strider to reveal, yeah, these are not just dudes. On horses that are after you, right? They're not just horsemen. Uh, there is something special and weird about these horsemen. Um. Yeah, yeah. Um. And uh, I agree that you know several of you are talking about how uh, how chilling it is, how creepy it is. That he knows the number of the riders, right that as as Lincoln says, I know their number, I know these riders right um, so deliciously creepy and vague as Lincoln says, yeah I agree um, vague and yet specific right like that it reveals there is specific information to be known. Strider knows it, but we don't know it yet right and uh, and and Frodo doesn't know it yet um. Yeah, does this mean he knows ring lore? Again, I you know, I still think what I said last time, I don't think that Gandalf has left Aragorn in the dark. I think Aragorn's been briefed. I think he knows about the ring. I think he knows the basic powers of the ring. Um, but that doesn't mean he really has experience with it. And it seems to me that he's been caught on the hop by the whole... Uh, common room incident that is he 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 really did seem to 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 believe that it was frodo's initiative um uh yeah yeah um yeah and i agree jj there are any number of places he would have learned about the the nazgul right um sure no reason no reason why not um Okay. Then he starts talking about the Brelanders who are not trustworthy, right? Bill Fernie, primarily, right? The Southern strangers, not all of those Southerners mean well. Um, now, notice even just by saying that, not all of those Southerners mean well, he is acknowledging that he believes that some of the Southerners do, in fact, mean well. He's not merely making a blanket those foreigners from out of town all must be up to no good kind of statement, right? He is just saying that he believes that some of the Southerners, some of those people who are coming up from the South, some of them are probably spies and, and, uh, and, and bad eggs. Um, Bill Fernie is from Bree. Um, He has an evil name in the Bree land. The rest of them, like Mr. Squint-Eyed Southerner who doesn't ever get a name at all. Right? He has not does not have an evil name in the Brewland. Because he has no name at all in the Brewland. He's unknown in the Brewland. He's a stranger. Um and uh and and a foreigner <laughs> Sharon says, I want to know what Bill Fernie's evil name is. It's a secret. He has a secret, evil name. Right. <laughs> um but um but yeah, Bill Fernie's definitely a Brelander and that's why he has an evil name, right? He, having an evil name that's a synonym for bad reputation right he's got a very bad reputation uh in uh in the brewin so um and he got that by being a local right but a bad local um yeah yes simon it does seem strider seems to imply or take for granted that the people coming up from the south are are in fact refugees right Um, there have been troubles away to the South. People have lost their homes and they're traveling North looking for places to live. Right. Um, uh, because they've been, they've been kicked out. Uh, so yeah, that seems to be genuinely happening. Uh, many of them are genuinely, uh, just people who are seeking, uh, help. Um, but of course some are coming up from the South with bad motivations. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, Fernie would sell anything to anybody or make mischief for amusement. There you go. Some of you guys were debating pranks I saw and the difference between doing something mean and being mean-spirited, right? Well, Bill Fernie is mean-spirited, right? He makes mischief for amusement, not even just for gain, right? He is interested in gain. He seems to be primarily motivated by gain But but although he may be primarily motivated by gain, he's not exclusively motivated by gain, right? He's also motivated uh, by amusement. He simply enjoys making mischief. Um, Yeah, yeah. What will Fernie sell, and what has my accident got to do with him? Um, notice how Frodo is not using the word accident in quotation marks. Um, he, too, seems to be being fairly cautious, right? Um, not now. He's not giving things away anymore, right? Um, what has my accident got to do? I said it was an accident, on it, and I'm still insisting that it was an accident. And I don't see what it's got to do with him or anybody else. Um, But I don't think he's just being subtle here. Determined not to understand Strider's hints. That's an important phrase, right? Frodo is not just being cunning. This is not, you know, said Frodo, uh, not wanting to betray that he understood Strider's hints. That's not what's going on here. Um, Frodo is trying to deceive someone but it's himself. It's not Strider, right? He's not playing Strider here. Um, he's not, uh, cunningly acting apart. He is trying to convince himself. Um, he wants to believe that he's still safe. He wants to believe that the accident he just had in the common room is not going to have disastrous consequences. Um, you know uh, that it seems understandable that he would want to that he would want to convince himself of that, um, but um, anyway, he uh, Strider is now resistant of that, right? Um, and he's having no patience with it. One more, and then we'll be done for tonight. "'News of you, of course,' answered Strider. "'An account of your performance would be very interesting to certain people. "'After that they would hardly need to be told your real name. "'It seems to me only too likely that they will hear of it before this night is over. "'Is that enough? "'You can do as you like about my reward, take me as guide or not. "'But I may say that I know all the lands between the Shire and the Misty Mountains, "'for I have wandered over them for many years.' I am older than I look. I might prove useful. You will have to leave the open road after to night, for the horsemen will watch it night and day. You may escape from Brie and be allowed to go forward while the sun is up, but you won't go far. They will come on you in the wild, in some dark place where there is no help. Do you wish them to find you? They are terrible. The hobbits looked at him and saw with surprise that his face was drawn as if with pain, and his hands clenched the arms of his chair. The room was very quiet and still, and the light seemed to have grown dim. For a while he sat with unseeing eyes, as if walking in distant memory or listening to sounds in the night far away. Is this a reference to his forgotten wooden shoes? Well, it's a holdover from that time, but it works in the new version as well as it did in the old Um, uh, yes. So I do believe him sitting with unseeing eyes as if walking in distant memory or listening to sounds in the night far away. Um, it does seem that Strider has had some traumatic experience with the Nazgul. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um. Good, Aragorn and Blue Wizard are both pointing out how how Tolkien capitalizes night here. Um, Sounds in the night far away. That is really interesting, isn't it? The darkness that is all around them. Um, And yeah, Mad Violinist, we never will learn the story of what happened with Strider, right? And the Nazgul, and why it is that he... Has like PTSD, where the Nazgul are concerned. Um, now, but Tony, I was interested in uh, the uh, in the same point that you were just bringing up, his bringing up of his age. Look at the um, look at the big picture there, right? Notice what he's saying about himself there. Um, The first thing he does is to attempt to make clear their danger. Stop Frodo trying to convince yourself that things are okay. This is not okay. You are in very serious danger, right? Um, Bill Fernie saw what happened there is no chance that he is not going to sell that information to somebody, right? This is going to get back around to the Black Riders. Right? They may already know, right? It's going to get back to the Black Riders in a heartbeat. So his, that's his first move, is to say, okay, look, um, don't kid yourself, right? Stop fooling. Stop trying to fool yourself. Um, they will hear about it. It's, and it seems only too likely they will hear of it before this night is over. Is that not enough? You can do as you like about my reward, but I may say I know all the lands between the Shire and the Misty Mountains. Notice the shift, right? He's now talking very differently than he talked before. He said, first he insisted on being given a reward. Like he wouldn't give them any information until they rewarded him, which was that he would. they would take him with him, right? After he relaxed a little bit, he said, do what you like with my reward, right? take me or not but uh, then he um now he's doing something different right um he's now trying to sell himself he's now giving reasons why they totally should want to take him right um i may say that i know all the lands between the shire and the misty mountains for i've wandered over them for many years Right. He's presenting his resume as a guide. You can do what you want. You can take me as a guide or not. But you totally should take me as a guide because I'm I'm, a, I'm an awesome guide. right? So he's now trying to talk them into taking him along. Um, but notice, Tony, this is where I come back to the age thing. Um, for I have wandered over them for many years. I am older than I look. On the one hand, this is him saying let me present to you my qualifications, right? And I'm very qualified. In fact, I'm even more qualified than, than I, than, than you might assume. Right. Um, you know, I'm a vagabond and, you know, um, what's his name? Butterbur has said that I, you know, go about at a great rate. So, you know, that I travel all over the place. You've already, you've heard my, my reputation as a traveler, right? Even just in the name strider that I've been given. Um, but then he ups it, right? After after claiming that. Um, I am older than I look. I might prove useful, right? Um, but to me, the, the thing that's most interesting there is notice what he's now doing. Not quite exactly for the first time, but certainly more strongly than he's ever done at any other point in the conversation. That is, he is pointing to... The fact that he, his appearance is deceiving, right? He says about a small thing, his age, namely, right? I'm not what I look like, right? This, like, what you see of me will lead you to some false assumptions. um. So that is one of the reasons why that's a really interesting move. Not to mention the fact it is also, indirectly, it is a hint, still kind of a vague hint, right? But a hint at who he really is, right? Don't tell anybody, but I'm totally of Numenorean descent, right? He's not said that, um, but he's come close to that. Right. Because, I mean, as you know, Magpie was just pointing out, his hair is dark and flecked with gray. Right. He says, I'm older than he looks. It is. He looks kind of old. Right. How old is he then? Uh, It's not like he looks super young. Um, I mean, if he looked like an 18 year old kid and he was saying, I'm older than I look. Right. That could just sound like an appeal for respect. You should totally respect me. Right, uh, Don't dismiss me uh, as an ignorant and naive youngster. But they weren't dismissing him as a youngster, right? Clearly nobody involved there was. Um, so, uh, yeah, Magpie, exactly. He is in his 80s. Now, he doesn't say that. If he said that, that would be giving things away, right? Just like he doesn't say who his friends are, right? So he's still not yet betrayed anything he's not in giving his notice he's giving his credentials here but he's doing so in such a way as not to betray who he is um nobody could really guess he's hinting at the fact that there's something special about his age but he doesn't he doesn't spell it out um okay um His reaction to the thought of the black riders catching them um, seems to be another moment where um, seems to be another moment where he's building credibility, right? Again, they know that the black riders are deeply unsettling, right? Um, they know that there's something just. terrifying. It's not just being found by a servant of the enemy. That would be bad enough, right? I've been located by a spy of Sauron and I have one ring, right? That's a bad situation, but, um, but it's not just that, right? Um, they are... Uncanny in themselves. Remember chapter three. Remember the sniffing. Remember uh Frodo lying there as the Black Rider is creeping, is crawling over the ground towards him right there. These things are not right. They are not right. There is something really eerie here. Um whereas others just refer to them as horsemen. Even Farmer Maggot was pretty convinced they were up to no good. Um but uh but they so he was pretty sure they were up to no good. He seemed weird, hissed at him and stuff, right? But, um, even Farmer Maggot doesn't really see them as alien, right? As monsters, not, not, you know, humans or humanoids, but actually, actually monsters. Um, Aragorn, um, uh, yeah. I mean, it's um, he knows, right? Okay. he know, Not just that these guys are, are, you know, tough and out to get them. He knows that they're not human. They're not just normal. And he seems to be the only one. Gildor knew too. Right? But he's the first one since Gildor. And yes, he is using terrible in its original definition of causing terror. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um... Okay. All right. All right. One more, really quickly. Um, actually, I we won't go as far as Sam. I'm going to go halfway through this slide because uh, I wanted to get to the elves here. Um, I was making a joke in my in the, in on the Twitch message, uh, saying "Go not to Strider for camp to camp for counsel because he'll tell you that the elves are just flat wrong," right? Um. There, he cried after a moment, drawing his hand across his brow. Perhaps I know more about these pursuers than you do. You fear them, but you do not fear them enough yet. Tomorrow you will have to escape if you can. Strider can take you by paths that are seldom trodden. Will you have him? Now, so he's turned the question now openly over to Frodo. But notice the implication of what he's just said. I know more about them than you do. You fear them, but you don't fear them enough yet. He is saying the opposite of what Gildor said, right? Why wouldn't Gildor tell them anything more? Um. Well, first, because he admitted, Gildor admitted that his own knowledge was slim about the nature of the Black Riders. Um, but he said that if Fri- Gildor says that if Frodo kno- knew more, he would—what Um, what was that delicate way that Gildor said it? Lest terror keep you from your road? Wasn't it something like that? Um. And Frodo responded with—and remember, I was kind of on Frodo's side here when he said, I can't imagine what information could be more terrifying than your hints and warnings— um, better to just tell me straight out so that I can be prepared for what happens instead of fearing the unknown. Um, Strider. So I, I, the way that this corresponds back to Gildor seems really direct. Gildor says, "I'm not going to tell you any more because if you knew more, you would be so afraid that you wouldn't be able to go on." And Strider says, "You, your problem is you don't know enough, right?" Um, if you knew as much as I did, you would fear them appropriately. Like, maybe to, I don't know, actually lie low, or something, to try to avoid their attention. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I agree, Valori, not fearing enough seems to be a theme of Frodo's. Yeah. Um, Tony, I really like that reading there. Um, that when he turns to the third person, as a couple of you are observing, um, Strider can take you uh, by paths that are seldom trodden. Will you have him? I I really like Tony's reading that he's, uh, it's almost like he's acknowledging that Strider is not his real identity, just a role that he plays. Right? Um, I'm playing the role of Strider. Will you go along with Strider? Um... Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, yeah, exactly, Valori. He's a Strider is a is a part that he's acting, um, and he's acknowledging that here again, just like the "I'm older than I look" thing, right? Um, even saying, even just saying, "I've got a secret identity." Totally do, right? I mean, even leaning forward and saying, "I'm not what I appear to be. I have a rascally look to me, but I'm not really rascally," right? Um, even that is taking a, a, a risky step, right? Um, he has cultivated, it seems, the Strider persona in order to avoid questions like, who are you, right? Who are you really? Um, yeah, yeah. So... Interesting, yeah. Bl- the... Uh, Blue Wizard is asking, what are the clues that Strider is using to assess their level of fear? Like, on what does he base his statement that they don't fear them enough? Um, What Frodo just said, I knew that these horsemen were pursuing me, but they seem to have passed and moved on. I'm fine now, right? That yeah, you fear them, but you don't fear them enough, right? First of all, they're better at finding, they have more resources for finding you than you suspect, right? But more than that, um, it's not, the question is not, how probable is it that the black Riders are going to come back tonight? Right. The question is, if there is any chance, like if you knew really, if you know, if you knew enough to be appropriately afraid, uh, you would be more willing, you know, to, I don't know what, like take risks to avoid them or rather than being like, Oh, it's fine. Right. They probably won't come back. Um, and going straight to the common room to drink Tony. Exactly. Exactly. um, yeah, good. Okay, so let's pause there. We'll get to Sam's interjection next time. We'll start with Sam um, uh, next time. So that's good. Okay, all right. I'm gonna stop almost on time tonight. So this is the end of our the end of our book discussion here tonight. Uh, uh, so it's field trip time. So let's do field trip. It'll be maybe a we'll slightly brief field trip. I'm kind of fading in through my own sleep deprivation as it gets late here tonight. But I, I'm good, I think, still for some field trip action. So I'm going to say thanks to everybody who joined us just for our book discussion tonight. I'm going to say goodbye to uh, to our folks on Twitter. Um, feel free to join us at twitch.tv slash SignumU. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's you know, that's my that's my standard mode. Yeah. Just keeping myself to myself, you know. <laughs> All right, so last week yeah, oh sorry, hi yeah, we got Valori, uh, and Maven with us here tonight. All right. Um so see, Exactly. See, I was thinking of you tonight here, Maven. you know, I was like, <laughs> like, OK, tonight I won't, you know, uh, keep going until like 1230. Uh, all right. So anyhow. Um, so let's head out. So I remember I said last week we were we finished with Brie with the Brelands. Or rather, we finished with every part of the Brelands that isn't in a part of the story that we haven't gotten to yet. Namely, we've sk- I skipped the Midgewater Marshes uh and the Weather Hills. We've been everywhere else other than that. Um but um uh we will uh, we'll get to those as the companions travel through those later on. So I'm going to save those, which means we're going to continue our northern expansion. We did the north da- you know, so we did uh, even dim and we did the North Downs, you know, through Fornost and then over um, and we got right up to the border of Angmar and I want to continue uh, there up into Angmar tonight. So I want to, so we're going to go back to the gates uh, where that we were looking at the gates with that too like the female person and the male person with the weird hands and the uh, multiple elbows and things. Um so we're gonna go back to the to those statues, the statues with the bizarre elbows, um, and, um, uh, and so we'll, we'll go. Let's ride up to Esteldine. At least I I, I figure I'm gonna ride up to Esteldine and then ride out from Estoldean, and we'll just cross the border. Yeah. Yeah, not too bad ride across uh, across the North Downs. All right. Yes. Right. Right. Just, just to make sure that he looked rascally enough. Yeah. All right. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna stable master it from here, so we can meet. Uh, we can. At the Stable Master in Esteldine, yeah. Now, you know, I joke about Esteldine being, you know, the secret that's right out in public here and not being hard to spot. Um, but then again, you know, maybe I'm being unfair. I, I mean, I don't think I'm being unfair about the fact that the place is easy to spot. But just because you can see that there's a big wonking ruin in here doesn't mean that it's the top secret base of the Rangers, right? Um, I mean, as we've seen, there's big wonking ruins all over the place. So. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah sorry I'm also trying to I'm, I'm trying to fix an audio problem apparently there uh, let's see can people hear you now let's see if they hear you now say something Wow, that was an unexp... <laughs> <laughs> Alright, cool. I think... I think I could see your levels moving there when you guys were talking. No? It's still not coming through on Twitch? I wonder why. That's very strange. I suppose so. Yeah. Weird. I have no idea why it's not picking up your mics through Discord. It should. Yeah, I no, Yeah, it's coming through on Discord. I think there's... I think there's some this be some kind of subtlety with this uh... That's right. Sorry, I'm like playing around with my audio now, trying to figure out. Huh. It's very strange. What, the chickens? I don't think I ever paid any attention to this pen of livestock over here. Yeah.
1: Kalondam. And I'm like, deer in Kalondam? bridge. I almost ran yeah, over one today. Over the bridge. That's right. Just over the
2: bridge. Mm-hmm. I found there the is. snowman. I found the snowman in Narendroon too. Oh. Yeah. All
1: right. We ready okay. to
0: go? All right, we're ready yes. to go. I'm ready to go. All right. Okay. But well, you
1: better leave cuz I don't remember the um I'm the road we were talking about going up I think is different than the one Oh, Rubbing threat. Oh, that's because I got tucked in. Uh, I was uh. be a rubbing threat close by
0: so that the how close is the roving threat to Esteldine? I would have no, thought I was not. safe in the, here
1: I, the reason it, I think it came up is there's a person to talk to here in Esseldyn I think oh yes yeah. yes you know the one that actually opens it up for you uh huh
0: okay I see yes and they can hear you on Twitch now not because I fixed the problem but because I cheated so what'd uh, you do I just unplugged my earphones Oh no. <laughs> So they're now hearing you through down. my No, I mean, it's I. The last several weeks I have successfully channeled the Discord audio through mm. uh, into Twitch and mm. it's just not Weird. apparently functioning right now But anyway, okay but here we are. All right. So we're, we're heading down. So we're, if we just continued north here to the mountains, there's a pass in the mountains to the north up there um, where you can get through into Angmar and there's lots of worms and fire drakes and things. Um, lots of nasty things, as Gollum would say. Uh, but we are going to go uh, the other way. Because I want to go actually, like, through the gate into Angmar, right? You know, the big, like, because over here is where they hung up the big Welcome to Angmar sign, right? There Uh it is. I can see the Welcome to Angmar sign from here. Yep. Um, So if we're going to enter Angmar, I want to do it properly.
1: By the way, interesting. You know how uh, I'm saying this because the night sky is up. You know how pretty much everywhere in Middle Earth that the moon is full everywhere we go? In Uh northern Mirkwood, it is not a full moon. Really? (gasps) Well, I finally figured out probably why it wouldn't be a full moon. is because if it was a full moon, you'd see Durin's door, right? In the side of Erebor. (laughs) That's part of it, yeah.
2: Well, see, I got confused because I I was thinking Mirkwood and I thought Lothlorien, that's not at all connected because I remember Lothlorien, well, in Lothlorien time passes differently. Right. Because I don't think Thranduil has the same sort of powers over time.
0: (laughs) Okay, here we are. There's the guy with two elbows in his left arm. (laughs) All right. Back to the road. All right. So we'll.
2: We're getting some. (laughs) This guy just creamed some guys.
0: Oh, boy, these guys, look, oh, they're chasing her. Oh, oh yeah, somebody's in trouble here. Okay, all right. We're safe again. Okay, no so problem. so we look at the... Oh, hang, it's, got, it's gotten darker, right? So we, we've entered into gloom. Yeah. Uh, so I'm backing off a little bit so we can get that effect again. It's all cloudy and dark, and it's going to... There's the stars, right? Okay, so now the stars are out here so we can see it from the distance here it's a nice moonlit night but then mm-hmm. the gloom descends as we approach and we can watch the stars actually vanish before our eyes here as we move right we're getting closer it, interesting it faded sooner
1: plus yeah. well, so if you have your music up as I notice as we get where it gets dark the music there, it is. Things, our music. there it is there it is partly
2: right. stars mostly void
0: yes Yes, lots of clouds. We can barely even see the gate in front of us now. Okay, so we have the uh, the guards and stuff around, which is kind of interesting. Uh, but we already looked at the guards, and the people that we see here, um, the people that we see here are all either the one of two kinds, right? We've got the, the hillmen, and you may remember a long time ago, um, we looked at the, the, the where the hillmen were living, not too far from here, right up on up on another hill over there, uh, we saw their their stronghold in an old ruin. Um, however, they've uh, they seem to have decorated this road with uh, skeletons in cages, which is, um, well, it's not attractive, but it's effective. Um, how would you characterize the message that you're sending when you when you when you set this up? Is this like a uh, so, Abandon
1: hope, all ye who enter
0: here. Okay. Yeah, that seems like a good paraphrase. Um, if is if this... you were
1: dead, you'd
2: be home by now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah, so I, I guess my question is: Is this designed to be a deterrent in like a in like a Roman sense, right? Like, you better mind your p's and q's, or else you are going to be next in the cage. Or is this trying to warn people off, like, don't come here or else we'll kill you? Um, I
1: think it's
0: just ornamental. It's just kind of the mood, right? We want to establish, you know, that... that,
2: Ties everything together with the two elbows and the forbidding rocks
0: and stuff. Right, I suppose, yeah. It's very them, it really is. I mean, I think that they really do justice to this whole hanging skeleton look. Um, now, this is a... Right, yep, this is a Hillman uh, tent. We saw this before. Uh, or one like it. Oh, oh, and we have a... What, a what, a white factory over here?
1: Looks
0: like yeah. it. Yeah. And of course, this is exactly like the one that we just saw in the oh, Chetwood, yeah. in Bree. Uh-huh. Exactly the same, even down to the same shades and things in the... Around the swirly rune covered rock here. Um, the fact that it's
2: giving you a fear migraine.
0: Right. exactly. yeah, we're getting we're getting some serious dread going on here. Um, okay, so now the road itself, uh, interesting. The road is getting broader, not because it's better traveled, but because see here it still just looks like a path through the grass. Right, like people travel uh-huh. it a lot, but then we get to here, uh, where the dread increases, and at the moment that the dread increases, the ground gets all cracked and like it looks like nothing can grow here. So again, this is not like, this is just the place where people have worn the grass down by traveling on it. This is it's blighted. It's blighted, yeah. And I love how that that boundary is is it's it's associated with the dread, right? Did you see, I cross back to the path and my uh my dread well it did decrease there it is my dread is decreasing now that i'm standing back over here but then the dread ratchets back up here as soon as i as soon as i come back into this area so scary. we have Not the scary. we have scary. the desol- right, exactly <laughs> we have the desolation like the desolation of Smaug, right the 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 kind of Im- effect that evil things have on the land um which is a common feature in tolkien um mm is something that they're clearly sort of uh, uh, working with here as we get closer and closer to the Angmarim border here. Um, wait, JJ, you see black cre- creepers? Where are there black creepers? There's, there's there's roots
2: right under my feet here. There's roots all over the ground, like some parasitics leeching all the nutrients from the ground.
0: They, I thought those were cracks, just like no, cracked earth. right here earth. where
2: I'm standing. Right here where I'm standing, you can see them.
0: Where?
1: right
0: here on the ground I must not have my oh those yes those are quite different
2: yes it's it's weed choked
0: yes it does look like snakes wow
2: watch out for snakes
0: you don't think that these are you don't think that these are leprous growths that feed on rottenness do you no probably (laughs) not
1: you come in this way, you know, you don't have any excuse for being surprised at what you encounter when you get into Angmar, right? I yeah. it's like, pretty much, like, beware. This is, like, the worst dandelion yeah. I ever had to pull up. <laughs> oh, don't get me started.
2: <laughs> Anyone with lawns knows what I'm talking about. Yes, it's you evil. see the
1: dandelions they have here. Oh, my God.
0: So, uh, <laughs> speaking of blight and desolation. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that is interesting. Okay, so let's let's. I wanted to. Okay, it's just a rock, huh? Okay.
2: Yeah, I can't seem to find any sources for the roots. I mean, this one's under a tree, but this one's well, under a rock. For a second,
0: I thought I was gonna. I was thought I was falling in a in a in a pit there, but it's actually just a pool. Gross.
1: Here's
0: up. And there's more of those creepers on the. On the cliff, on the far side of the here. Yeah.
1: Cheaper.
0: Do you think that that's meant to be once living, thriving things that have now died and withered, or do you think that this is a some kind of twisted and pernicious growth that uh, that like kills other living plants and things like that?
2: Definitely the latter. These strike me yeah. as sort of leeching, parasitic choking things. That are, they're right. choking what, what's left of the wildlife.
0: And notice how they look like the things carved on the uh, the white factory chimney here. Oh, yeah. That's interesting.
2: Yeah, they do. Uh, maybe it's symbiotic of the evil.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Boy, these... Uh... These cages uh, certainly do show the way. What the crow's cages? The,
0: no, the the, the, the people the cages. Yeah.
2: Yeah. No, those the co- those are called crow's cages. All oh, right.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, there's another name for them too. What is it? The gibbet. Gibbet. Yeah, that's right. Or gibbet.
0: Gibbets the gibbet. crows. Yeah.
1: Fast pirates. They lead to a watching stone. Which, by the way, I have figured out that I have to do that quest to get past the line of... I forget. I forget. <laughs> I've done it on lots of alts. I forget which ones, actually. I don't think I've done it on any of my Exploring Lord of the Rings alts.
0: So, do we have any sense of... Um, do we have any sense of what function these things have? What are we meant to... I mean, you know, I've been kind of jokingly calling them white factories ever since Grifflet was exploring the ones that you see in Gartha Garwin. Um, And that they they seem to be like as if they were... They were like the sites where the the whites were being raised or animated or whatever. Um, But, um, you know, here we don't... Though they still look the same, we don't necessarily... See anything like that? They don't seem to have any utility.
2: No. Uh, other than to evoke Tolkien's descriptions of Isengard and Mordor having sort of satanic chimneys of foul right. smoke. This right. is almost like a like an earlier like Bronze Age version of the same
0: thing. Right, and we've got, the, you know, say that, that same idea of, like, the evil polluting the land, right? You know, this, this the sort dark of... dark
2: satanic mills.
0: Yeah, noxious, <laughs> exactly. Uh, noxious fumes being spewed out and all that. They do kind of look like uh, altars in Narwin. I, I agree with that. And the, the, the creepy glowing rune stones in the middle... Uh, Tony's wondering if it could be necromancy at work, um, maybe. Um,
2: not unlikely. I'll, although all these guys in the cages are kind of out of luck, you know.
0: Well, or candidates for because uh, I mean, you know, if you're if you're, I don't know. Um, no, they're probably not doing literal necromancy. That is divination by by the dead like using the dead as a means to gain information which is literally what necromancy means um
2: well we know that the the ward spires of um of angmar you know the warding statues they have some sort of cursed item inside them that gives them the sort of dark evil power i think it tethers a soul to them or something like that or some sort of evil spirit to them Mm -hmm that could be what this is for. It could be making more of those watcher stones.
0: Right. Maybe. I mean, certainly this sense that we've been getting, as we've been getting closer to the border of this sort of more and more pervasive power of evil. Um, If in, you know, other places like Gartha Garwin, what we saw seemed to be, um, you know, places of like where, evil magic was being centered such that they were um uh such that uh you know like horrible things were happening and coming you know the, the the spots where those were was this you know sort of polluting center of an evil in that place the fact that it's alongside the path either way it does really kind of suggest to me that that's the purpose of the skeletons in cages in the first place right um not Merely for decor uh, because they're very attractive in their own macabre way and not just not for any kind of effect, like emotional effect or psychological effect it's meant to have exactly on people coming in in the sense of being a deterrent or for crime or something like that. But rather um, because it's designed to create dread, you know, it's it's um, uh, it's supposed to uh you know create that sort of atmosphere uh, that sort of atmosphere of evil that creates you know desolations in the first place and then as we get further in and closer to the border here we get the we get the 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 factories right these these evil polluting uh noxious runestone pillars altar things um which seem to be just kind of increasing that same effect. And as we've seen, the the ground is more desolate and now more and more thoroughly covered with those mm-hmm. twisted vines, which seem to be choking out every other kind of life.
2: W- worth noticing in that this game, the elves are actually way more susceptible to dread, so this would be a great elf oh,
0: deterrent. Oh, really? I never really noticed that.
2: That's one of the that's one of the f- things we have to overcome in the game is we are more susceptible to dread.
0: Right. Oh, and there's um, a statue. Yep, yeah,
2: there's the big, big old, watcher statue. So that,
0: that that is, is the statue going to kill us?
1: Oh, uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. Well, if you stand around it long enough, it will, but it won't do it like a like the other one. Oh, so we oh, can yeah, get look, past yeah, look if look we just to past. Yeah, if okay. you get up close to it, you get dread, and it'll just keep increasing. You know, what's really sad is beyond this statue see there's the one gibbet there but way around the corner is one lonely guy hanging there and that's it it's really sad like what did he do wrong
2: (laughs) they just that's for the future gibbet pass that is under
1: construction maybe that's it yeah maybe it's under construction any volunteers
0: (laughs) um okay well all right so I have questions about these statues. I have bunches of questions mm-hmm. about these statues.
2: My first being, what is it?
0: That is also my first question about these statues. I think the last time I was now, attempting... We don't
1: see anything like this. I mean, there are no creatures that look like this anywhere. No. No. Nah. A like. sort of Pazuzu knockoff thingy here.
0: Because... It looks like it has a human torso, right? Right. Yeah. But no arms, just draconic wings instead.
2: Well, the wings are the arms,
1: just like yeah, exactly.
0: Neck. The arms become wings. like a marvel
1: type. Thing. Right.
0: Yeah. You know, but, but it's but the got
1: the face is all mm-hmm.
0: and a snake. Yeah. I mean, this seems to be just a monstrosity, right? Like. An artistic depiction of some kind of, you know, yeah. sort of bizarre kind of bastard creature.
2: It's got a, it's got scales on it, and its head is kind of ichthyoid, like yeah. some sort of creature of the deep. But then, why does it have wings?
0: Right. Right. So bizarre. Yeah, I mean, the I see what you mean about it, ichthyoid. Like the mouth looks kind of fishy, yeah. but uh, yeah. like an ang- it's
2: almost like an angler fish with two yes. little. Yes. Do bops on it. Yeah. I was
0: thinking that same thing. Um, we don't ever see anything like this, right?
2: No, it's very Lovecraftian or Dunsanani kind of issue. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um. Dunsananian. Dunsaniniiniini. You Dunsanian. Dun- dun- oh, Dunsanian. Yeah. <laughs> Um Yeah, Ponty and I like that idea that no like a, you know, a creature from the depths of the world, right? Like, you know, the the world is gnawed by nameless things, right? So that the idea that there yeah, could be yeah. something like this. Um but that's really my question, yeah. is that is this is this a faithful depiction of something that we just have never met and are kind of glad that we've never met it? Or is this some kind of abstract you know, sort of attempting to, to capture in an abstract way some kind of principle of evil, you know, and express it through the sculpture. The symbolisms
2: of Morgoth's destruction kind of thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, is it even to be interpreted? because... I mean, The way in which, I don't know, maybe it's not quite right to say that the different parts of the body don't really suit each other, don't really fit. I mean, the upper, like his wings, they don't, they only look like wings from the elbow down. You know, his upper arms don't look like wings. Right. Mm -hmm. which is weird, right? I mean, that's very unusual. So it's kind of like a bat, but it isn't like a bat because bats have wings all the way up to their armpits. You know, I mean, it's, it's not, you know, it's it's wings all the way down. It's not, it's not just like little half wings uh, at the end. Um, I feel like the
2: sculptors of these are similar to the sculptors on the door where they have a general idea, but no real knowledge of anatomy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, I mean the head doesn't really seem to fit the body, like not the neck and the chest anyway, which looks more like human or sort of vaguely human. And then you've got the 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 serpent body, which is again disproportionate. I mean it's 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 got like a you know, this tiny little wasp like waist, right? Um and the, the serpent part of him looks far too thin and short. It reminds
2: me of of one of the creatures in Mountains of Madness was kind of described as these sort of strange kite creatures with long tails or something. I forget what it was.
0: Yeah, I mean, but that's the thing. He doesn't even have a long tail. He's got this short little tail. I mean, like, the lower half of his body looks more like a flagellum than it looks like a serpent. Yeah, a
2: dendril, some sort of dendril or some sort. Yeah, Yeah. the, the black communities need better arts funding
0: exactly <laughs> more money for like sculptors or the, but uh, but see possibly it's a brilliant sculpture that's the thing um, uh,
2: I don't know. look at the plinth they didn't take much care with that did they they just sort of hacked it out didn't they
0: <laughs> oh I don't know it's a rather attractive plinth yeah um, <laughs>
2: hate to think it was an accurate sculpture of anything actually just well me. see that's the thing
0: but if it's not see here's here's what i would like to think i would like uh-huh. to think that we're actually meant to interpret this statue allegorically right like bottom yes. half of a serpent with the chest of a man and like the arms of a bat and the head of a I don't even know what fish, dragon, lizard. Not quite sure what the head is meant to be. Um,
2: Maybe this is just the fever dream of an artistic madman.
0: <laughs> it's, But it really caught on, if so, right? Because these things are all over the place. Um, well, they commissioned,
1: well, yeah, they again, commissioned a whole think, bunch. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> they just got the one madman like, to work in bulk, in bulk, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah exactly. <laughs>
1: they got a wholesale deal
0: for the <laughs> That's right. Well, uh, that uh, begs
2: the question: Who is making these yeah. identical copies of the same sculpture, and why?
0: On the one hand, he's crazy, but on the other hand, he can churn these puppies out like nobody's business. Right. So let's let's keep well, him yeah, employed. On
2: the third hand, no one. It? Well, yeah, and the other one is maybe no one else just had an idea, so they're like,
1: let's just go with that. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, the
1: other thing is, it could be you know that he made a whole bunch of these and he couldn't sell them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so like, I don't the, know what it is either, but we got it. like, a this really good deal. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, yeah. So uh, Actually, maybe he's
1: the guy. That's maybe he's the, the guy that's
0: around the corner. I was just going to say that. Yeah. That's why maybe they put him by. The... It's a, it's, it's a position <laughs> of honor, Trish. You see, that's why. It's... Maybe, yeah.
2: Yeah. Maybe this is the witch king sort of, unf- maybe this is his tragic backstory. He really wanted to be an artist. Oh, <laughs> uh, there you go. No one really believed in his him. genius, but he had 50 of these. But so when he turned to the dark side, it was just, you know, hey, I had these lying around.
0: Yeah. Or maybe, um, maybe
1: that's evil. why he became so unpopular. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe why he became the witch king. They, you know, he was like shunned by his fellow artists. Well, or Or touched by some evil
2: spirit communication. Mm. Maybe the ring, yeah. maybe that was his power of the ring. It was giving him these evil visions of these things.
0: Do you think the arms are tattooed?
2: Uh, I think they're scale patterns. Myself, that's what the it looks to like me. to
0: me too. I don't think it's tattoos either. I think it's. I think I. I, I think it's. Uh, Pretty I, cool tattoos, though. I, I think. I think they. I. I, I think they are. It's hide. Um,
2: Once again, the indicating that this thing doesn't really seem to have a home in land, air, or water.
0: Yes. Exactly do you think I,
2: i think the witch king had something to do with the architecture of this though. something about it just you know and the fact that it's uniform and it's all over the place and it's pretty much the powerhouse behind you know the evil in angmar really makes me think that the witch king had a lot to do with the design and construction like this is something he was ordered or you know inspired or something or or other to create given his visions of the darkness
0: Okay, and does anyone, does this strike anybody else that he, um, he, it, it's called an ancient watching stone, and yet it seems to either have no eyes or its eyes are closed?
2: No, <laughs> uh, it's got, no, it's got eyes. It's little itty bitty Right. But they look blind, though. They look uh,
0: like Yeah, they're kind of exactly. They're they scaled yeah. over or something. They certainly don't look at, you don't get the sense that you're being watched, right, when you stand under this thing, especially with the way that his head is facing up, right? Um, he mm-hmm, but looks the, like he's... The dread we... Yeah.
2: But the dread does indicate that we do feel like we're being watched. This is making us scared and paranoid.
0: Right, right. Um, hmm. Yeah, Finn is thinking about the silent watchers in Mortar Finn I was too, of course, thinking about those those silent watchers or sentinels that end up at the the the, the Tower of Curith Um we were just talking about those at the end of last week's class in the War of the Ring class. Um Yeah, they certainly made me think of that. Um and notice how even just like the fact that they're called watching stones, um does suggest that it's related to the uh, to the Silent Watchers, right? The Silent Watchers of, uh, of of Minas Morgul. Yeah. Hey, it's the word British theme that we're hearing again. That's great. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, anyway, let's Oh, it's time to go pretty soon, actually. Let's, let, but let's actually cross into Angmar, shall we? Because we're still like here on the borders, the very edge of. Oh, look! The sun came back out. Is that how you know you're it's in Angmar now, when the sun comes back? Now. Yeah. Oh, has yeah, has yeah, it like really. literally sunrise? Is that? Okay, so we get spiders right away when we cross over, and. It's grassier. We creepy like it. music. All right, we do I creep- think
1: this is close to the, the Earthkin yes. settlement up
0: ahead.
1: You know what, is it? I, think it was, I thought it was... Um, that's, I think up on, on, the, up on the top of the cliff. I thought that was the on cliff. the other road.
2: It is? Yeah, but it's like this runs underneath it or something. So. Right. I don't know. Oh. This is the false sense of security path.
0: Okay. Look at the trees. Well, the trees here are quite lovely. I mean, I wouldn't want to build a summer (laughs) home here. But But no, but seriously, I mean, like, that's a nice tree. This looks like a tree from the North Downs. Um, The path is still all cracked and blasted, but it's got, what, growth? Moss, it looks like, on either side there it's it's
2: tough stuff though these cedar yeah. trees or something like that you get in kind of sand blasted salt blasted places and these weeds look pretty scrubby and awful so this is this is this is tenacious life here yeah
1: these cape claws are bigger than i remember them being
0: yeah those yeah, this is the a
1: <laughs> yeah I, gosh i was
2: remembered i was trying to do i think it was uh doing one of the quests or something like that and suddenly all the grass is over my head and i'm going what yeah how did i do this before
0: grifflet has that problem too well you know because like the last time you were in that area there probably wasn't tall grass
2: that's right yeah that's that's right that was the, that's the new grass they put in the starter areas
0: yes Yes, and hobbits do get lost in the grass much more easily. Uh, of course, I'm I'm especially conscious of it, trying to pan my camera around to look at things when I'm <laughs> streaming with Grifflet, and it's like half the time. Oh, yes, from every angle, I can't see anything but grass. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about this area with the...
2: Siege the or- machines. This, yeah. Yes, the orc
0: siege machines. Oh and there's another statue. Yep. You can see him in a different light. Oh I see him. It looks so
2: weird in daylight. It does. Up here we go, watching stone.
0: Huh. Ooh, what's over there? Hang on a second. I mean, okay, yep. Siege engines, catapults. This is the entrance to the Merivale Valley, right? there right. here. Yeah, and
1: there's a, remember that cave. There's that cave that we right. are all in. Right.
0: But mm-hmm. this, yeah, I think, taking the it road the other direction,
1: we get up. We, we go up to where the Earthkin are. Yes. Yes. Are this way? Yeah.
0: So now, what is this exactly? There are banners on it. They seem to be too uniform to be captured banners, like the banners of your enemies or something. Plus, yeah, we can see inside. Look at that. They're all over the place. It's not like laundry, is it?
2: Nah, I like how there's spikes on the side to discourage climbing.
0: Yeah. Oh, Maraville, Maraville. It's like it's like the spikes that keep pigeons from landing on windowsills, no, except it's...
1: actually. The Moraval has the same deal, which the upper arm. Well, I guess it's the other way around. The upper oh, yeah. arms are like human arm. Yeah, and they she's do. got wings. But you're right, it doesn't go to her armpit, or or,
2: or or to her back. Right. Uh, yeah, they got these little spiky tree dealies too.
1: I wonder if it has something to do with their nesting habits. You think? Oh, I got a roving. Th- I got a roving threat. Uh, There's so many.
0: Are those? Oh, those, yeah, I, ca- those I can are actually see some
1: nests up
2: there. I can actually see some, like, nesting areas up there.
1: Yep.
0: Hmm.
1: Oh, yeah, there are lots of fun, these gals.
0: Okay.
2: Yay, congrats to whoever just
1: leveled up. <laughs>
0: I'm still oh,
1: is, yeah, look at that. That's they look like nests up there, don't they? Yeah. This this must be their roosts. And their laundry's hanging out too. Well oh, yeah, yeah. that's
0: what it looks like.
1: <laughs> Laundry Day in the Merval cave.
0: <laughs> exactly. Again they look like banners, but
1: Actually it looks kinda of like what they're wearing. Yeah, it kind of does, but, um,
2: oh, maybe it's like, maybe it's like flower birds. Maybe they're building up their roost to attract a mate, like, maybe, pretty things.
0: Maybe oh, it go. is their laundry. Hang on, I want to examine the garments of a living one.
2: Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Notice that all a... the banners are red, too. Got, it's just stand. like they go inside here. There, there's bunches of them Oh, are there? Are, are, are there? Yeah. You already went, yeah.
0: Okay, all right, let's go. Let's go.
2: I like how everything's red. It is like the bowerbirds who only collect blue things for their nests.
0: Right. Let's see. Oh yeah, look at them hanging from their feet there. I don't know. She seems. <gasps> oh to...
1: man! I've never seen this before.
0: She seems oh, to be you wearing. Oh, yeah. She seems to be wearing no. gray. You're
1: just you're just running in there, aren't you? There's just a... there's a whole bunch of quests that you do in here. Oh wow! I've She's never got seen this... this. She's got this. Man, I was
0: crazy strung like going chump. on. She does have wings like that. Yeah. Yeah, her upper yeah. arms are human upper arms.
1: For the right. elbow. Up. That how the, that's how this, So the statue's that way too, right? Upper yeah. arms. Yeah. Upper arms
0: are humanoid.
2: Yeah. Yep. I know there's male versions of this though that look a little more animalistic. I wonder if the so watcher's she's, more based on the male version. I mean, if
1: you look at how she's hanging too, you could see how her. You know, you could get that sort of serpentine look at the the bottom part of the kind of
0: a little bit
1: those are definitely t-
0: talents though yeah well yeah. she's she's yeah. whatever she is bat like or whatever from the knee down and from the from the well it's not exactly the knee and the elbow it's like just above the knee and just above the elbow um
2: i think the male version had the bad ears though like what we see on the watcher statues
0: where are the males
2: um, I think I've only seen them in Moria.
0: Oh! Oh,
2: here they
1: come! Oh, great! Who set that off? Well, I think we had. There's got to be some folks with us, probably that are
0: lower level. Yeah,
1: pulling probably. That's okay. Yeah, That's
2: what we're here for.
0: Cool Just yeah, in this, see if there are any glad
2: boys.
0: You that to me. Oh, so uh, here she's.
2: Aw, oh, I call sp- dibs on
1: the dead guy. <laughs> I'm, a terrible, oh, well. <laughs> I'm a terrible corpse looter.
0: She's special, but... <laughs> Don't forget but to no. loot the
1: corpses. I'm really bad about that. Yeah, it's like I'll go out of my way. <laughs> <laughs> Someplace yeah, like okay. uh, Gilead is terrible.
2: Yeah.
0: All yeah, right.
2: Oh, man, okay. I haven't made it there yet.
0: Okay. Whoa. Still... What's that?
2: She said, I will bathe in your blood.
0: Yep, yeah. Like you do. Oh, these are dead goblins. Look at that. Oh, wow. Uh, Didn't even notice that.
2: Now we know why everything's red. Yeah.
0: These
2: trees are kind of creepy.
0: They certainly are.
2: Yeah, these look like uh, some of the diseased cedars we have with rust in them.
0: Yes, yes. They do look like diseased trees.
1: There's actual bats in here, although we're killing them. Oh, great! Uh-huh. Like a, Bad, like like a you major can see them up here. They're up here flitting, flitting shrieker, flitting shrieker. Uh, yeah, they're uh, kind of cornered right.
0: by a major boss over here. Anyone want to lend a hand? That would be oh yeah, great. I was just, I was just looking at the major boss.
2: Please admire her all you like while you help me. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. All right. She's dead. My She's queen, fine. I have failed you. Oh, But if you look yeah, up here, there's actually so, bats. So she isn't the queen. The, so who is the queen? I don't know. Oh, giant troll here. Check that
0: out. Yeah, that's why I was oh, looking my. at that before, too. Yeah, right here. So we've got the 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 the, the, the goblins and the troll. Huh? I think that'd
1: be, be a little hard on the teeth there. Think. So, are, where are we, we... I think we've discussed this before, where we're thinking that they are getting the Moravell from. Are, are we thinking Theron Gwethel is the original sort of inspiration for, for these guys? The I've got
0: to think so. Yeah. I mean, there's really no other uh, candidate, really. Yeah. Um, the fact that there was a, a female vampire, who probably really was a bat. Um, I mean, th- th- Thuring Gwethel yeah. is unlikely to have had humanoid form. Right. Uh-huh. Um, she was a bat. Um, that's what vampire means in, like, late 19th century terminology. Um, to call, like, when Dracula is called a vampire, that's metaphorical. You know, like, right. he's like a vampire bat. Um, uh, you can hear, I mean, in the book, Dracula, you can hear people using the word vampire in the sense, just meaning a bat, you know, that sucks blood. Um, but anyway, um, so yeah, it's, it seems to me pretty clear that whenever Tolkien uses the word vampire, that's what he means. But yeah, I think that, you know, so they're kind of taking license with that, um, And why not? My only question is, can the Merivale fly? I mean, I don't get the whole "I've got wings from the elbows down" (laughs) deal. I mean, it seems wildly impractical. Uh, (laughs) You know, but
2: uh, it's almost like it was an evolutionary benefit to have the wings, but then they just sort of outgrew it and (laughs) they became vestigial or something like
0: that. (laughs) I love. I love uh, evolutionary arguments about Tolkien's monsters. Uh, it's one of my favorite things. Uh well, I, I like
2: how they kept true, more truer to the spirit of the bat than just making them, you know, right? Like, like the, like the two brunettes and the blonde in Dracula. Right,
0: right, exactly.
2: They actually went out of their way to bestow more animal traits on them.
0: Right. Right. Cool. All right. They
2: really are scary looking. I remember running into these by accident on the first time, and boy, that was scary.
0: Right. Yes. Um, This was not a favorite. Oh, we have we have a we have a deceased person here.
2: We have a downed person. Does anyone have the ability to bring them back? I do. Uh, Have that. Okay. Where are they? Right here. Oh, they're there. The pie eating champion.
0: Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, I should. Oh, um... I
1: guess he went away.
0: Oops. Yeah. Did you miss him? Oops. Well. Oh no! Here he is.
1: Okay, I got him. Oh, you got him? Yep.
0: Okay. All right. Well, anyway, I was uh, about to say we are about out of time. I think uh, we should probably end here. Well, as we're like surrounded by a, uh, you know, by slaughter <laughs> here in the, uh, here with the Merivale, um, but we should probably end here. We will. We will continue our explorations further into Angmar and, and uh, see if we can learn anything more about uh, the artistic trends and uh, circles in the greater Angmar region. Thanks everybody for joining us. Uh, I'm looking forward to exploring more Angmar Uh, and uh, thanks everybody for joining for class. And I will see everybody next week, tomorrow night, uh, war of the ring class. Knock on wood, there's a chance things might go poorly. Uh, uh, I've got a whole bunch of things going on tomorrow, and there's a non-zero chance that I I might be delayed such that I can't get back in time for class. But we'll see. Um, Most likely, it'll be fine. Um, I'm still planning on it. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) so I'll see you guys tomorrow night or some other time soon. Thanks, everybody. (laughs) Good night. Bye.